We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to episode 476 of the Barcelona Podcast, brought to you by the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Dan Hilton. He's Levon, a.k.a. Barcelona. And today, Levon, it's one of everybody's favorite shows of the year. So I even dressed up a little bit for it. It's a season awards or superlatives or whatever you want to call them. And since we're getting to it after it feels like everybody else did, I decided to take your advice, loosen up a little. So instead of me doing the boring categories, we have names for these awards. And we're going to try to have a little fun here. So let's dive right in. I guess you could say hello for a second. Welcome to the show, Levon, I guess. Or when I say show, I mean like the award show we're having. Are you ready to go? Que pasa, cules? All right, let's do it. Happy so, to be here. Yeah. So we begin. Yeah, unfortunately, somebody did in my YouTube comment tell me to stop talking about Lionel Messi. But unfortunately, he's the best player in Barca history. So we're going to even name an award after him. And we're going to double down and triple down. So we begin with the Lionel Messi award for the best player on the team without blinking award, I guess, to call it. And before you go, I do. I, I did take the time to basically make nominees or are the players that I think kind of apply to these things. And we, you know, we almost go through the nominees here. And my nominees, they're just three for this category. It's Lewandowski, it's Pedri and Ter Stegen. I don't think I'm wrong on that. So who is your pick for the best player on the team without blinking? See, I, I, tr- I tricked you with the name of that award because we don't have a best player on the team without blinking. It's all about the team this year. Sure. And and that's the beauty of it. Yeah, well, then who are we going to give the award to? We already, I already have the award. We're ready to go. So I know, but I tricked you. I tricked you. There, there, ain't, there ain't Lionel Messi award because Lionel Messi has had head and shoulders above everybody. Who mm. has head and shoulders above everybody else? So we, we don't have one, right? Uh, I, I would say like maybe the first half of the season would have been Lewandowski just because of his goals. But after that, I don't know. Like who, who is yours between uh, between Louis, uh, uh, Mats, and, and Pedri? Well, I have the case for all of them. For Lewandowski, it's 33 goals, 8 assists. It's hard to argue with his production. Leo Lewandowski scored more than Rafinha, Ansu, Dembele, and Gabi all combined. Rafinha ended with 10 goals, 11 assists, 8 and 9 from Dembele, 10 and 4 from Ansu, 3 and 4 from, or 3 and 7 rather from Gabi, 7 and 3 from Ferran Torres, 7 and 1 from Pedri, 2 and 6 from Alba. That's everybody with 8 or more goal contributions. And again, it was, it was Lewandowski three times three times plus, or almost four times what what Rafinha, who is number two in those categories, was able to put up this year. So firmly, That's true, but he did have that dip after the World Cup, though, where for, more, yeah, for months mean, he sure. did not look like the same guy anymore. 
Well, yeah, you could argue that a good Lewandowski season would have been 50 or 60 goal contributions as opposed to just the 41 that he had. And then Ter Stegen, of course, ties the record for most clean sheets. I want to talk about Ter Stegen later. I have another category for him. But he did bail Barcelona out so many times in the first half of the season as they were accumulating points and putting themselves up in those categories. But my pick actually for this award was Pedri because it's the Barcelona with him versus the Barcelona without him is why I say his name without blinking. They lost just once once in the Liga with him in the team this season. The average goals who, per game who was that against? It was Real Madrid in the first the right. first match yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, that was it. So the average goals per game was two with him and it was close to one without him. Average goals scored. Goals conceded 0.3 average with him, 0.5 without him. But again, looking at Ter Stegen's clean sheet record basically means the other games, especially at the end of the season, that being skewed. But the win percentage too. Barcelona won 86.4% of the time with him and they won 57% of the time without him. In La Liga, it was 2.7 points per game with him, 1.9 without him. And then finally, this isn't the biggest one, but this is really telling about the way they play. 12.3 open play crosses per game with him, 18.3 open play crosses without him. So as far as the way Barcelona played, it was 12.3 open play crosses per game with him, 18.3 open play crosses without him, meaning Barcelona... Six more crosses per game without him in the lineup tells me that without Pedri, Barcelona were not working the ball around and pushing it through the middle. And so to me, as far as when you talk about the way Barcelona play over the course of a season, Barcelona were a different team without him. And yes, I know the little caveat that it came without Dembele that heavily skews a lot of even the worst games without Pedri because Dembele was usually missing for those as well. But still, they were so much of a better team with Pedri that he gets my award for this. Because even though he was injured sometimes, and yeah, I mean, sometimes it wasn't there, but yes, Pedri, with or without him, was the biggest difference for me. And and you know what makes it even crazier? That we have so many more crosses without Pedri when Dembele is not even on the pitch. Exactly. Because he is is our most dangerous crosser. Because the cross doesn't have to come from the the sideline. Like, it doesn't have to come all the way from the, the farthest wide spot on the field. It can come from... The, a different third of the field, right? You go from the right third of the field over to the, the left back post, and that's still a cross. It just depends on the nature of that cross. And, okay, so let's keep it moving. Next award here, the Friendly Neighborhood Spider-Man Award for the player that came out of nowhere to save us. And my nominees for this category were Alejandro Balde, Andres Christensen, and Rafinha. So who is your award winner? It's Spider-Man, man. You gotta give it to a teenager. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I'm going to nominate Christensen and Rafinha for the Spider-Man Award. But oh, remember, I grew up, of, I grew up in the 90s. I grew up in the 90s. Uh, Peter Parker was already married, spoiler alert, was already married to Mary Jane throughout the 90s and the Clone Wars and all that nonsense. So for Peter me, Parker got married? I thought he was a teenager in the 80s, a teenager <laughs> in the 90s, a teenager in the 90s, a te- teenager in the 10s. Well, they, they keep rebooting it. It gets re- rebooted over and over and over again, especially in cinema. But no, but no I mean, even in the animated series that... I mean, now I'm dating myself from 92 to 96, the animated series. He was, well, I think he was dating or they were married or whatever it was. But anyway, yes, Adahana Balde is the answer. I mean, Balde even has that Peter Parker energy. Sure. Yeah, that's given to him. No, nobody expected this, man. People, the only people who expected this were people who don't even know about football and just go, oh, Balde is going to be great because he's Masia. Because everybody mm. who actually watched Balde did not expect him to, to all of a sudden be good. And he's just a perfect fit for us. He, he, he's the perfect fit for what we needed at that position this, this season, man. So, yeah, give that Spider-Man award to, to Ale Balde, of course. Yeah, I mean, starting left backs in, in all of world football, it's difficult to find one. 
And the fact that an 18-year-old from your academy just took over the starting spot is was beyond what you could possibly dream about. I mean, and no disrespect to Christensen, because Christensen, I said, was an easy runner-up for this. The time he missed in Europe was arguably as damning to the team's chances of victory as missing Araujo. I mean, it was, it was close. I mean, Christensen was arguably Barcelona's most consistent defender over the course of the year, even uh, if he wasn't the best, but... Let's, then, give Chris, let's give let's give let's give Christensen the old Peter Parker award. Yeah, everybody <laughs> happy. All right, all right. And then Rafinha was my distant third. He went from a sub to a starter when Dembélé was out and helped Barcelona win the Liga, which was important too. All right, our next one: the one Laporta, Risto Stoichkov, and because I like to do as little editing as possible, and I don't want to have to bleep anything out, the award is called the Big D Energy Award, as uh, as the kids like to say. And for me, my nominees were Gabi, Araujo and Lewandowski. And as you keep noticing, I'm giving you the nominees, but usually the first one I say is the one that is probably going to win the award. Uh, Gavi, man. Gavi. He got that energy. PK and Shakira got, Shakira got divorced because of Gavi. Who else? Okay. Well, I actually <laughs> categorize this as like numerically in the cars and stuff. And it goes without saying 15 yellows, zero reds. I'm actually proud of him with those numbers. Like, yes, did he have more, more cars than everybody else on the team? Of course, that's Gabi. But that number is actually down from full season ago per game. And believe it or not, it's not that much more than his teammates. Busquets had 13 yellows and a red. So if you count a red as two, that's the same number. And then Rafinha had 11 yellows. Araujo had seven yellows and a red. And Alba and Alberto still managed seven yellows each with Alba also getting a red. And then Alba was the only player to get a card this season from the bench as well, which is pretty cool from Alba <laughs> that he managed to get a card from the, the bench. I- I, I don't mind yellow cards for Gavi. What is this? Chiringuito? Are we a Madridista propaganda outlet right now? No. 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 Let him get his yellow cards. Let him. Well, let I, him, I felt you know? like his yellows were not detracting from the way he wanted to play. Like he didn't pick them up. A lot, most of them weren't picked up early in games. Like it didn't, it didn't deter him in the way that he did last year, where I felt like the yellows, he was kind of figuring out how to play and adjust his game to it. And I felt like he, once he picked up yellows, he was much smarter this year about not picking up the seven. I mean, the second and knowing what to, what to do with it. Fair and then Araujo, I actually put Araujo as a runner up here because alongside Busquets, ushering his own teammates into the locker room at Espanol's ground was, was pretty big energy there from him on those instances. And he generally had, I mean, against Vinny Jr. in those two wins against Real Madrid in uh, the wintertime. And then for Lewandowski, of course, I mean, the guy came in with that energy, telling these young teammates and Barca teammates that have built in the past, like, hey, you know, this is how you train. This is how you're professional. And we're going to be serious about this. And, uh, and I joined Barcelona for a reason. So Lewandowski is my third for that. Now, kind of a repeat here. The next one is the Rainforest with Rain Award. That is the most essential player to Barcelona's survival as a team. And again, my nominees are Pedri, Lewandowski, and Ter Stegen for all the same reasons that I said before. But I'm, I have a different award winner for this one. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. 
That's indeed.com slash blue wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you think of great duos, who do you think of? Jordan and Pippen or LeBron and Dwayne Wade. I mean, I talk about basketball a lot here on this podcast, but for the Barcelona version, there's PK and Puyol or PK and Mascherano or the easy example of Xavi and Iniesta. And as you can hear from my voice, the perfect teammates aren't just professional athletes. It's cold season. I guess the flu and cold medicine, perfect teammates as well. But in this case, when it comes to growing your business, that's you and Shopify. Shopify is a global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout up to 36% better compared to other leading commerce platforms. To be honest, I've been doing this show long enough. And as I mentioned, it's cold and flu season. You hear it in my voice, especially during the holiday season. So whenever it comes to this business, anything that I can set up and kind of have working in the background that I know and can trust is just plugging along without my attention. Those are the things that I really value at this point. So when my brain is foggy, all I can do is manage to turn on the microphone, talk to the guest, or just talk to myself and get out a piece of content. Everything else, having that all automated or working in the background, that's been important to keeping me sane. And that's the thing about something like Shopify. What I do love about Shopify is how no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. So no matter how big or small, how good of a month or how bad of a month, things are just the same working in the background. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is a global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen and millions of other entrepreneurs on every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's extensive help resources are there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tbpod, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash tbpod now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash tbpod. I mean, you just uh, gave us all the stats of with Pedri and without Pedri. If there's, uh, you know, you, you need rain in the jungle. No rain, no jungle. No Pedri, no party. So there you go. Yeah, believe it or not, actually. Yeah, I mean, I agree with that. So it's like we're splitting hairs. But for this kind of idea, as far as the rainforest without rain idea, I actually give it to Ter Stegen because over the course of the year, like looking back on it, I can say, yes, Pedri was important to the way Barcelona play. <laughs> But this was a team that was actually in the league this year built on their defense. They would have drawn or lost double the matches to bottom half teams if not for Ter Stegen saves. So for, for listing them out here, Mallorca 1-0 on the road, Celta 1-0 at home, multiple 1-0s against Atleti, 1-0 against Adafe, 1-0 against Real Sociedad, 1-0 against Girona, 1-0 against Villarreal, 1-0 against Valencia in that 10-man match. And, he, and Ter Stegen was awesome in that 1-0 against Athletic Club as well. There were so many times this season when even with Pedri, that Barcelona could have been playing the proper way, the right way, and they would have drawn or they would have dropped points. Even not all three, but just two points if Ter Stegen was not as good as he was all season long. He had, what, two or three matches where you could be like, eh, he wasn't great. But I can almost count on one hand the number of brain fart errors that Ter Stegen made this year that immediately led to a goal in ways that over the last, what, two or three seasons, it has. I mean, he completely revitalized his career and was essential to Barcelona winning the Liga. It's it's amazing because uh, Testeian went to you know everybody's god like every Kool-Aid was saying oh Testeian is the best goalkeeper in the world for the first couple of seasons mm-hmm. he wasn't he was good but he wasn't the best in the world he was top five probably maybe top ten to 
Testagen is completely finished. He's terrible for a couple of years. But then this season, I don't think we've ever seen him as good as this season. Like, he was so incredibly good. And like you said, like a lot of games, he made saves. And I know that the opposing goalkeeper, the goalkeeper of the teams that we play against, they also make saves. But Testagen made saves like saves that saved us situations where you're already counting the goal that is about to be scored against us and then he just comes out and and, and saves us he was amazing this season and one of the reasons and... for that too is Barcelona had a top five high line played as far as how far up the field that high line plays they were top five in the world in high line well not world but in in Europe in how high their line plays so that so wait, wait when you say top of, five I don't remember what the number is but as far as meters to the, to their to the opposing goal as far as where they normally set up it was like forty six point three meters or whatever it was I saw again that that changes per game too so I think I saw it a few months ago but they definitely kept that up and that did not change even with the the end of the year but that meant that means a lot of counter attacking from the opposition that means a lot of one v one chances and so yeah leg saves kick saves getting himself wide doing all those little things and yeah I thought Ter Stegen was good this year and even with his feet you know we expect that but to me I think this is the first year too as you mentioned that I think Ter Stegen was better than Courtois. I think people kind of yeah, 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 absolutely. Side, but absolutely. this was yeah. the one year that Courtois was actually worse than, not even worse. Ter Stegen no. was, yeah, let me Ter say Stegen that was better. Was better, right. It's not that Courtois yeah. was worse than him. Is that Ter Stegen was better than Courtois. Yeah, it, it kind of reminded me of the 2010 season in which Valdez just saved everything. Mm-hmm. Because 2010, we also played a high high line and so many games. There was a counterattack where, somebody, where the opponents went one-on-one with uh, Victor Valdez and he just stopped them. Like, no, Testagen was amazing this season. And let's hope he keeps up this form for the next couple of years because that's going to be the difference between winning trophies and not winning trophies. Yeah, I mean, especially in the Liga. Again, Liga is about consistency. The Liga is about how many of those saves you make over the course of a season in a way that Europe really does come down to individual single moments. And of course, like Courtois won Real Madrid Champions League with those stops. And so those moments become biggest in, in the biggest moment, sure. But they're going to need leadership too, which transitions me to the next award here for, as you called it, the Me Tarzan, You Jane, Oh Wait, That's Just Carlos Puyol Leadership Award. So basically the Carlos Puyol Leadership Award. My nominees for this are Busquets, as he was the first captain of the team this year and also played a ton of minutes. Then Lewandowski for bringing, as I said, professional into the dressing room and all of those different things that Lewandowski did. And then Ron Araujo for having people already at the age of 23, 24, screaming for him to be a future captain or a captain now because of the way that he led the line and is Barcelona's best defender. So Busquets, Lewandowski, Araujo, who gets the award? Araujo, my man crush, my favorite player and my favorite guy on the team. I mean, how awesome. How how awesome is Ronald Araujo? He leads on the pitch, but he also leads off the pitch. Like all, all of the all, all of the contracts, Things that are so complicated and where lots of people would be so nervous uh, and Araujo just wants to play for us. And he wants to be our captain one day. Like, and sometimes you would expect this from kids from La Masia. Even those kids from La Masia are not always as dedicated to our colors as Araujo. It's as if he's like, I don't know. He, he came from Uruguay, but it's, he feels our colors and he identifies with our colors so much. And the way he shows that on the pitch, the way he shows it off the pitch. Remember when we had that friendly against Manchester City for for ALS? And as we walked off the pitch, 
um, you know, there were all these guys there who, who had that this season and they were in wheelchairs and everybody just walks past them. All of the players just walk past them. And Araujo is the guy who actually stops and shakes their hands mm-hmm. and greets them and talks to them because that's who we were playing that game for. Yeah. You know, how, how can you not love this man? Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's yeah. a great point on the contract stuff because you're right. Like, for all the worries that you and I talk about, about registering being a bigger concern than than being able to afford players, like to buy players, but registering them is the issue. For Araujo and Gabi and Balde, I mean, think about the timelines for their renewals, right? That they signed them rather, you barely heard a whisper about those three in particular, two uh, from the academies you mentioned. Well, I mean, Gabi was back. Balde, we're not sure about, huh? Well, not. Well, I mean, he's agreed to it. They just haven't put pen to paper because he's. It's, I mean, yeah, but, now it's a line. It's now it's a deli line. You're waiting yeah. for Gabi but, and. But Balde is in the media saying, "Yeah, you know, I don't know. Like, uh, I would like to be in Barca, but you know, you never well, know." I, I would also argue you. that Jorge Mendez is also his 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 agent. So it's like you get the, so you get the Jorge Mendez tax on that. I um, I, 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 don't, I don't know about that, Dan. I don't know about Jorge Mendez because Jorge Mendez. Okay, so what's his name? Mino Raiola. He always mm-hmm. moves his players. In the moment that Mino Raiola becomes the agent of one of your players, you know that guy is gone within two years. But George, has, has George Mendes ever moved one of his players if a player did not want that move? No, it's it's but it's it's the numbers. It's the inflated numbers that he negotiates. Like a lot of he's known for having long negotiations. Even if like again, he doesn't push his players or go against their wishes. That's true. But it's just it, they 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 they're elongate a little bit um, in ways that. That, that other agents don't elongate it. And then his relationship with Barcelona is a whole nother thing too. But okay, that's not, we're not giving an award to Jorge Mendes for his agenting. Instead, oh, instead, we're doing for what might be, I think might be your favorite one of these. And I'll read the whole name of the award for you. The quote, a fan is only a fan if he does not understand anything about a sport he's watched his whole life and spends most of his time scapegoating players of his favorite team on twitter.com award. I had way too many. Well, I mean, if you're on Twitter long enough, every player in the team is on this list. But for me, it boiled down to six players, and I think really just five, maybe. So for me, it's Rafinha, Ansu Fati, Ferran Torres, Sergio Busquets, Eric Garcia, and Marcus Alonso. Those are the six that I felt like I actually looked, I actually on Twitter, I typed it in, and I was like, okay, I'm feeling a vibe of half negative, half positive for each of these six players. And that's why I'm going forward with this. Um, I'm actually going to give my my award winner first, because I know you have a different one. To me, it's actually Busquets, because for all the other five names, I could agree with some of the frustration of the course of the season. I mean, Rafinha showed it himself on the sideline. Like, there was frustration with every other of those five players at moments in their season. It was up, it was down. Busquets was so consistent and solid this season, with the exception of that game that PK was worse in against Inter, Mi- Inter Milan. That was the only game that Busquets was, I would say, bad this season he wasn't great against real madrid either in that first lay in that first matchup of the season but that was to me the whole team was kind of bad but i thought busquets just was busquets all year long did not look any different and for me it went from okay how are they going to move on from him for me to say okay actually it makes a ton of sense to renew him kick this can down the road do this again next year because to me he showed very little of a drop-off. Now, at any moment, like we know with older players at his age, 34, 35, 36, it's not necessarily a, a, a dropping into a valley. It's falling off a cliff. So next year could be his cliff, and maybe he knows that more than we do. But he played consistently minute after minute after minute. He started all the games that he could. And I, for people who said that Busquets was off it or, or, 
or was less than what he used to be, were not watching the games because Busquets was just as good as he has always been this year for me. But I know you have a different award winner for this. I mean, Busquets could get a lifetime achievement award on this one, you know, because... Yeah. <laughs> sure, sure, sure. I, I, I don't even know why people support Barcelona if they don't recognize uh, why Busquets is a good good footballer. Uh, yeah, my, mine would be Marcos Alonso. I did not want us to sign Marcos Alonso. I do not necessarily want us to renew Marcos Alonso. But, you know, when, when I watch the games, mo- most of the time, Marcos Alonso has actually been pretty good defensively. I think uh, not only was he asked to play a position that he did not play in previously, I, I actually think that he's probably a better centre-back than he would be a left-back for us. Well, we're going to see Even next year. We're going to see next year. But even the game that he did play left back, uh, which was away against Bayern, he played pretty well. And, you know, people don't like Marcos Alonso because he is slow. I agree that being slow is not one of the best attributes that a football player uh, can have. At the same time, though, this this game that we watch every day of our lives, um, if you reduce it to, uh, to acceleration and pace, then why don't you maybe... Stop watching football and start running. Uh, start watching the 400 meter dash mm-hmm. every day and see how you like that. Because then, at least, you know, in your evaluation of how good or bad a player is or or an athlete is, you are going to be right. The person who comes in first is the fastest, and that's why he's the best. And the person who comes in last is the slowest, and that's why he's the worst. But in football. It comes to a whole lot more than whether somebody is fast or slow. Uh, and Alonso has been good on the ball. He has been mostly good off the ball. Did he get caught out of position every now and then? Uh, in which he his uh, recovery speed, uh, which does not exist, uh, mm-hmm. make him look bad? Yes. But at the same time, Jules Condé, who is a much better, uh, much more athletic player, made a lot more defensive mistakes than yeah, Marcos Alonso. We're going to get to, we have that award coming. So yeah, to, to, to wrap this award up, I would say to me, I guess like, not to oversimplify it here, but to me, it's like players aren't bad or good, especially when you win the Liga, when you're given a role. To me, I thought every, for every three games, I thought Marcos Alonso and Eric Garcia and Rafinha, actually, all three of them, I thought they were good for two and poor for one. Or then, like, mistakes were here, uh, especially, I, I it wasn't even the, the speed. I think Alonso and Eric Garcia both defensively got caught out position-wise with that high line. And some players aren't built to play like that and react like that. It's just, it's not even about speed. It's just about, like, defensive positioning. And I, I think, like, Eric Garcia is not, doesn't have experience to do, to, to, to play that way in the way that they were. And then Alonso, I think you, you did see that he's not totally comfortable as a center back playing in that high line at times. And I think, again, but for every well, one of those times, there was two times I thought that Eric Garcia and Mark Alonso had games that we can't complain about at all. And I think Rafinha was the same way for two to one. Which, yeah. Which which games did Alonso get caught out? It was Bayern at home. Yeah, I mean, in, which, was, in, in was, which we all, every player played poorly. But yeah. admittedly, he was terrible, Bayern at home. And uh, it was Manchester United at home. Those were the two that stand out. And I, 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 I thought it. he was, those, those were two big ones. Yeah, I mean, I thought even recently against Real Valladolid, that 3-1 loss, I think that whole back line was rough, but I thought... Oh, uh, you, no, no, those games don't even count, game. Dan. Well, those, I mean, games, those games don't even count. Nobody nobody was playing for anything those games. Everybody yeah. everybody was terrible on that team. I agree. 
Yeah, yeah. I'm like the 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 last couple of days in the se- games in the season. I don't know if we should have an award for that, but uh, no, th- those were lame duck games. It, it was just horrible. Yeah, again, I have to go back and look at other stuff. I thought again the one zero against Girona. I think he played. He like, I mean, the team was fine, but like, I I didn't think defensively he was well good. But again, they still got a clean sheet. Like again, there were so many times where you can't blame Eric Garcia or, or Alonso, where it's like they played poorly, but they still ended with a zero. So mm-hmm. those are those kind of arguments for that. So anyway, that's why they're on the list. And then Ansu and Farron, I had them at basically one-to-one. For every good game they had, they had a poor game, but they weren't terrible this year. Like they had, both of them had good moments. Like they had, what, 17 total, well, it was 10 total goal contributions for, for Farron Torres. And then whatever I had for Ansu, it was 14. So 10 and four. Um, but yeah, I, I, I thought they were I think I think both with. of them had quite poor, poor seasons and both of them played, did not play, reach their potential. Oh yeah, expectations season. is not what we're yeah. talking about. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm not um, even saying expectation. Um, I'm saying potential because mm-hmm. both like Ansu is better than how he has played this season, mm-hmm. and Ferran Torres is better than how he has played uh, this season. I think Mar- Marcos Alonso. I don't know if he's better than he has played. But I mean, actually, I was quite happy with with how he has played this season. Yeah, I think that's fair. Uh, I think I agree. I think Marcos Alonso. When I did not like the signing either, and actually, I think he could have been a lot worse than he was. I agree with that. All right, next one here. The I'm glad Sergi Barzalon isn't the manager, but what was Xavi thinking award for Xavi's biggest blunder of the season? As people know, I think when I talk about tactics and I'll continue to do it as the uh, new signings or players go out, players come in, whoever it may be, I think Xavi, his tactics are really good. He gets a lot right. I think his preparation is good. I think there was only two or three times where he got something wrong from the opening whistle. Even if he got outmanaged in the first half or in, in Europe or wherever, I think there were only a few occasions where you felt like, okay, he actually really made a mistake here and got this wrong. But I think we both agree there really is only one nominee. And then I have a runner up after you give our, 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 our winner. Wait, let's try to say this one together. Okay, we'll just say the, the opposing team on yeah. three. One. Mm-hmm. Two, Manchester, Manchester United. United. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. The, the, the not switching uh, Araujo to the to the middle so he could keep a closer eye on Rashford. That was uh, incomprehensible. Yep, that, that knocked him out of the Europa League, and yeah. and and that was it. I, I think for me, the runner-up was actually the Ameria game. That that Xavi had no plan B against an Ameria side was that was nowhere near um, as good as is what they showed at a home that being on even though they were fighting relegation, like that was the one game where I was like, Oh, Xavi have, has he lost some of them? Like, how are they not listening to him? Because that game Barcelona had 47 crosses, their highest tally in a single away game that they've ever had in the Liga. Well, sorry, since 2005, 06. And to me, I looked back and, and I actually, in my notes for the whole season, I have all the notes that I wrote all year long. I wrote worst watching experience. And I found those keywords and I had had the worst watching experience of the entire season against Amaria. And I was frustrated that Xavi had no answers, no plan B, and just the crossing, the crossing, crossing made I mean, me feel like that was an instruction. It wasn't just like the team doing that. It, it, it just felt like that was the instruction and he had wait, no, no other answers. So, Well, I mean, to, to, to be fair here, that game against Amaria and pumping and crosses into the box... And I'm sending uh, Ronald Arrojo into the box as as a as an extra striker. Is that not the definition of a plan B? Yeah, but they didn't do that until like the last six seven minutes. Like they, I mean, that game was terrible until like the eighty third, eighty fourth minute. That's what I'm saying. Like it just if that's the plan B, then do it earlier. 
I mean, uh, it, it didn't feel like a plan B. It felt like desperation because every manager can can do desperation. Every manager can throw bodies forward up there. So anyway, all of us saying is not to say that Xavi doesn't award some kind of, I would award him as a pretty good manager this year. But okay, next one here. The it's not you, it's me award for the player you would sell who doesn't deserve to be sold. And my three candidates or nominees for this award. Now, obviously I didn't put Christensen here because the idea of selling Christensen is like, it's not, it's, it's not even you, it's me. It's, it would be, it'd be the club and his finances or whatever. So my three nominees are Rafinha, Kessier, and Ansu Fati. Those are my three nominees for this one. And yeah, I mean, this is a hard one to pick though, even nominees, but uh, I went with Rafinha, Kessier, and, uh, and Ansu Fati for this one. I would say um, Kessier probably, if not Rafinha, one of those two. You know what's a crazy number here? Did you know that Kessie played in 43 matches, which is the same number as De Young this year? That's pretty, that was pretty shocking. Like, I, it feels like he had like a bit role because it took him till January to kind of find a, like a, a role, like, you know, to be fit yeah. in. And he didn't play I mean, a lot. There, but... There's a difference between playing the first 85 minutes or the last five. <laughs> <That's very laughs> you know, so. I know that. Well, and even, even the passing percentages, like all of his numbers and stuff. Yeah, he contributed three goals and three assists or whatever from a deep position, but his 86% passing for all the ideas that he's like doesn't doesn't connect on his passes, 86% passing was the exact same number as Pedri. Which again, functionally, they're making those passes in different parts of the field. So you'd expect Kessie yeah. to be a bit higher because he's a bit deeper. But also he wasn't. Like there's a lot of times when he was pushing forward on the on the edge of the box and being expected to try to deliver a final third ball. And again, it contributes to three assists. But um yeah, I mean Kessie's a tough one because I think very much like Rafinha, I put them in the same category. In that if again, if Newcastle says eighty million for Rafinha, Barcelona has to say absolutely, one hundred percent, we're doing that. Like it, 80, 80 million, yes. And then same thing with Kessie. If you're taking a free transfer, which again with no amortization, if you're taking a free transfer and somebody's giving you thirty million for it or thirty-five million for Kessie after the year he had, where he was just a sub, you take that. Absolutely. Like it had nothing to do with Rafinha and Kessie, which again perfectly fits the "it's not you, it's me" award. So yeah, I agree. Yeah, with you. Absolutely, absolutely. And, and and I think that Kese is is he's okay as a squad player. Gives us something different. I don't think he has lived up to his potential, but he might have a better season next season. From from everything that we hear, he's not going anywhere, which I probably think is fair. You know, um, footballers are not cattle, so if you get a free transfer. You maybe kind of owe it to that person, to that human being, to give it at least two years. If after two, look, if after two years he does not get the playing time that you would reasonably expect from a player of his caliber, and he then does not want to want to budge, that's a different thing. But yeah. uh, I I totally understand if he or Rafinha, for that matter, say no. Look, I fought extremely hard to make it at this level. You will not get rid of me after one summer. Mm-hmm. I want at least a second season to prove myself. And I would understand that. Um, having said that, if the club is hell-bent on making signings, which I would be okay if we do not really make that many signings, given our situation, but if the club is hell-bent on selling people, then I would talk to Kessie and mm-hmm. uh, and perhaps Rafinha. Or, well, or, or, or for Ferran Torres. Before Rafinha, actually, except that for Ferran Ferran Torres, the conversation might not be, hey, uh, it's not you, it's me. It might be, hey, you know, it's not me, it's you. Yeah, I mean, I think for Kessie sticking around, to me, it's the the Nico or Kessie thing, as opposed to like a new midfielder kicking Kessie out. Because again, the reminder about 
Xavi saying we need a pivot. You cannot mm-hmm. speak enough about just a role or about saying what a player has to do. Barcelona, as I said earlier in the week, I have the number here, 3,200 minutes, almost 3,300 minutes, so 3,284 was the minutes that Busquets played this season. So Barcelona, going into next year, if they keep everything the same, is missing 3,284 minutes in their midfield that they have to figure out how to fill. So if I'm Kessie, I'm like, of course, even if I eat up a thousand of those minutes and Amrabat or whoever isn't the, the, the destined pivot or the guy that they want to be a pivot, even if that guy starts and plays 2000 minutes, like I can eat up a thousand of those minutes. And for next year, for me, I get close to 2000 minutes. Like, I mean, 200 minutes, again, is absolutely bananas that he played that many minutes. So they have, they have, and Xavi is not convinced on Nico. So exactly. So if, I mean, so there is certainly a, a world where why, I mean, they, not say they can't sell Kessie because I don't think he's, you know, completely untouchable, but they can only do that if they know exactly who's coming in and somebody who can play a lot of minutes. Because again, Pedri is also a bit injury prone too in that midfield. Yeah, and I'm, unfortunately, Gabi and De Jong are pretty sturdy. I mean, for me, if, uh, if we get Gundogan and if we get, uh, bring Nico Gonzalez back, then I'll be happy with Frankie, Nico, Pedri. Gavi, Gundogan. Wait, we're still missing. We're still missing a sixth midfielder here. Well, no, cause, yeah, because Pablo Torre is going out on loan, so he doesn't yeah. count. He was a six this year, so you, you, now you're talking about like how much is Alex Garrido going to play? You know what I mean? Like now you're talking about the next midfield, whoever. But that, that, you can't expect that. Like they're probably not going to play. So all right, yeah. next one is we have a few. Well, yeah, we have one more serious category than two two funny ones. So this is the Andres Gomes slash Arter Turan slash Paco Acacer slash Lucas Dinier slash Denise Ward Award for most disappointing player of the season. So looking at those names, I'm willing to just shorten this to the Arter Turan Award. I, I think there, <laughs> there's, I think there, there was, there was him, and then there's everybody else. I think like one of those things is not like the others in that category. But anyway, for my nominees uh, for this one, uh, I mean Arter Turan, there's also an attitude issue there. I think, but yeah, let's. Yeah, I just think like he's, I'm to me, he's in a different class of. Of, of all those transfers. But anyway, the nominees for this one is Ansu Fati, Ferran Torres, and Jules Koundé. Jules Koundé is a shock one there. Ooh, I know, ooh, I know. Koundé in there. I, I, I like that. I like that. All of Twitter is going, what? But he runs so fast. But that's because he was a top 10 midfield, I mean, a center back in the world for Sevilla last year. And he was not that this year. He was... Was he last year though? I don't think he had a particularly I don't know. good I mean, he was really, year. really good. Yeah, it was more that the, the two years uh, previous. Oh, yeah, yeah. Sorry, sorry, yeah. But yeah, yeah. him and him and Diego Carlos, even two years ago. Yeah, yeah. I mm-hmm. Sorry, not last year, but two years ago. But yeah, I, Kunde was not as good as he was expected to be. He was supposed to be the guy, and he wasn't. So it's like, that's right? was disappointing. Yeah. Mistakes like, he made, but... who, who, who would have thought that Christensen would have the season that he had? And that Kunde would have been, would have been making so many mistakes throughout the season. Yeah. But the winner is not Kunde of this award. It's on to no, who, is, who wins um, this award? Neither had a good season, huh? So co-winners. Uh, I, 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 I think uh, Ansu Fati had some good goals. Ferran actually had some good matches, because even even in games in which Ansu scored a good goal, he did mm-hmm. not necessarily play very well. I here's okay. So my defense on Ansu on this and why I give it to Ferran Torres is because, as I mentioned, to start the year, I know that you're right. He was pedestrian when he wasn't scoring the goals. But at the start of the year, coming back from that long layoff, I, I said, I looked back at my, my predictions and I had said, if Ansu can contribute like eight goals to 12 goals, somewhere in that, in that range, eight to 12 goals, coming back from 
almost two years on the sideline, still being 20 years old, the pressure of the 10 shirt, all of those things taking into account for Ansu Fati. If he had given eight to 12, I was going to say, depending on what everyone else does, it's, it's a pretty successful season. So there is a world where, honestly, though, Dembele, instead of eight goals and nine assists, should have been expected to get eight goals and 15 assists. And again, that inflates Lewandowski's numbers, or that inflates Ansu's by two, or that inflates Ferran Torres by one or two, or midfielder by one or two more. Mm-hmm. And again, I'm not saying Dem- 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 was, was out for like three months, though. I know, that's what I'm saying. Like, so if Dembele is healthy for those three months, I think those numbers go up for everybody a little bit. Um, but I said, like, Ansu kind of, the eye test says that he was very disappointing, yes. But again, even like numerically what I predicted for him after all the adversity coming into the season, I felt like I expected him to struggle in a way that for Ferran Torres, I just, I expected him to be better. I thought he should have been better consistently in that, especially that production. I thought his production should have been better. And yeah, he, just, he just, he just wasn't. So for me, Ferran Torres... I- narrowly gets that award. I wonder how they would have done had we not signed Rafinha and uh, Lewandowski. And had Ferran Torres on the right a lot more. I mean, that, that's yeah. where that's the only time he was good this season. I don't know. So, but yeah, I mean, and with the price of Rafinha, Ferran Torres is the reason why if you give me 80 or 90 for Rafinha, I say yes yesterday because Ferran Torres is actually the backup right right winger. Yeah, like, then, you Fer- then you have Ferran on the right. And, 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 and on the left, you will have Ansu Fati or you play with uh, with the four-man box and put Gavi there, right? So Exactly. Yeah, I, I agree. No, I mean, at the beginning of the season, what I said about Ansu is I just want him to be healthy for the whole season. And that's what he did. He was. Yep. And that's what he did. I think it's an ob- abomination. Yeah, it's an abomination that we give this kid the, the number 10 jersey. Uh, last summer, and that we're talking about selling him now. Uh, I think that is grotesque. It's disgusting. It, it does not look well at our club at all. You give you give a twenty-year-old the number ten jersey. Don't freaking sell him this the season after. Yeah. Uh, so I hope that he stays strong. I hope that just like Frankie, he insists on fulfilling his uh, his dream. And I hope that one year from now, everybody's going to be so happy that we did not sell the kid. Yeah, I agree. I hope so. Yep. Okay, so last two fun categories here as we wind down the show. This is the If You Had to Pick One Award for Madrid player you would like to see at Barcelona. I had, oh man, well, I took some Pepto-Bismol to, to keep my stomach in check. And then I had three names and only three names because everyone else that wasn't one of those three names, I said, absolutely not, uh, no way. Um, so I, I did dig my heels in about how perfect Chuamani would have been at Barcelona. But, you know, he hasn't taken to La Liga as fast as you think. And now with Jude right? Bellingham on the way, <laughs> who knows if his spot is safe. Honestly, though, if I'm Chuamani, I'm like, oh, Bellingham's arriving. And then Kamavinga was good. They, so it's They like, don't really play the same I, positions, though. Be- Be- Bellingham plays more forward, doesn't he? He does. But in that 4-3-3, like, I mean, it's, I mean, Cruz is still sticking around. So I, I don't I don't know. I don't know where Joe Mani is going to fit alongside Bellingham because th- with Bellingham, though, does he really have to be that farther forward? Like, can you put him underneath Modric if he's because he's not going anywhere either? So I don't know. And then my other two choices real quick, though, was due to the reliance on Pedri. I think Modric would still be the answer for Barca. Um, the guy was and is still class. And I wouldn't go for him now, obviously. But Madrid with or without him this year was actually a similar look to Barcelona with or without Pedri. Without Modric on the field, Real Madrid, do you think they counterattack regularly with Modric? When, when they didn't have him, they were like, okay, we're not going to touch the ball. And then the minute we get it, we're just going to run straight at the goal. And that is our one and only option because they just they didn't know how to do anything with it. 
if Modric wasn't there. Then my third guy was uh, Rodrigo. I think Rodrigo is a player that would fit at Barca as well. He's versatile. He's, I don't know. I think Kules would hate him <laughs> because of he's a bit inconsistent, but I thought this year he kind of took a step forward and was once more consistent. So those would be my three nominees for this category and uh, nobody else. You know, you know who Rodrigo reminds me of stylistically? Let me, I'm, I'm going to think about this. Hint, we talked about him today. Okay, so we did not talk about Javier Saviola. That would actually that was a player that I was thinking of. We talked about him before. I'm, I'm not sure. Oh, oh um, I'm not Paco Acacer, obviously, uh, or anything like that, because he's better than Paco Acacer. I don't know who. Ansu Fati. He he he, he kind yeah, of reminds me of Ansu Fati. Sure. So it's uh, you know, I, I I like the nominees, and I want you to close your eyes and I want you to picture, you know, a 38 year old Croatian midfielder winning the last La Liga of his life. And holding up that La Liga trophy in Barca colors, <laughs> <laughs> like how big of a f- you would that be to Madrid? Yeah, how, how beautiful would that be? I mean, it wouldn't happen. It's not. Happening. It's not. It's not a thing. It's not a thing. He's gonna. I don't. The real question is whether he retires from the white shirt or not. Like that's the real question on whether or not he continues on. Because again, he is thirty-eight. Like he's he's older than. I mean, he is the age that you expect Messi and Busquets to stop playing at. Like he's four years older than Busquets, which is pretty nuts. Okay. And then the last category, as we're wrapping this up, it's finally the happy you were relegated award. And the nominees are pretty simple. It's Valladolid, it's Espanol, and it's Elche, all for their terrific contributions in the category of relegation. Um, And I think, again, this one went in with a heavy favorite. And, and I think uh, Espanyol, especially after their fans decided to applaud and, and cheer Barcelona's Liga winning 4-2 victory the way that they did. I think we know who's going to win this award. A segunda, oh way. Yeah, exactly. Oh way. I mean, it, it's going to be cool. Like, I'm excited that no offense to Elche either. Like, Elche were really bad. And I'm excited that looking at who's coming up from the segunda division, that Los, Palma, uh, Los Palmas is... I just so much of a better team. They play a better way. They're much more enjoyable to watch than anything that we saw from LT all year. And then Granada as well. It just is better. Like Granada is better than what Espanol was this year, or you'd hope that they're going to be. And then who knows who that last team is going to be between Levante, Alaves, Ibar, and Albacete. But I actually would like to see from that group either Ibar or Albacete. But yeah, we'll have to see. I, I think that's right. Or did that play have already happened? I don't know. Yeah. Either way, I actually, you get I actually played football with a Perico tonight. Mm. Yeah, I just came back from uh, from playing a game. Right, we had some drinks after the game, of course. But uh, yeah, one one of the guys in the group he doesn't always join, and I hadn't seen him for uh, for a couple of months. But he's he's uh, an Espanol supporter. And he asked me how I was, and of course I told him, "Hey, man, you guys are in the second division. I couldn't be." better this this is like yeah this is like a dream well, I for me. This too. I'm, I'm, I'm awesome get rid of albacete and ibar it's actually alaves and levante played zero zero in the finals of the promotion playoffs last sunday so this saturday levante and alaves will decide who is the final team to get promoted so maybe they'll have their opportunity i hope levante year. comes back yeah they i i i would agree this just barely over Alaves. I think Alaves jumps back yeah, down I'm, um, I'm 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 a bit sad that comandante doesn't play there anymore but um mm-hmm. You know, yeah, Levante. They wear our colors. Yep. All right. Well, we've gone too uh, far down the Levante rabbit hole. Time to wrap up the awards. Again, I, I'm getting the, what is that? The flashing red light to say to say stop for the awards ceremonies as they do. And then we're going to run out of broadcast time. It's going to fade to black. So anyway, follow him on Twitter. Follow me and the Barcelona podcast everywhere you find it. 
Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, Patreon, YouTube, all that stuff. A lot of fun content continuing on this summer. Yeah, and I even got dressed up for this one. I hope we did a little, a little differently, and that was quite, quite a bit of fun. So thanks so much for listening to the show. Until next time, we'll talk to you soon. Of course, of course. Peace, Calabasa. Uh, I wrote down one and two to get to edit out. I think that's right. Yeah. And the two were in the second half. So one in the first half and one and in the second half. Okay, great. All right. So I'll work on that and probably have this out tomorrow.